Today's reading is taken from Acts 11, verses 1 to 18, and can be found on page 1105 in the Church Bibles. Acts chapter 11, starting at verse 1. The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticised him and said, You went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was. I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles and birds. Then I heard a voice telling me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. I replied, Surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice spoke from heaven a second time, Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and then it was all pulled up to heaven again. Right then, three men who had been sent from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which all your household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them, as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said. John baptised with water, but you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ... Who was I to think I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then even the Gentile, even to the Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. This is the word of the Lord. From that reading is undeserved criticism. And one of the aspects of Christian life that cannot be avoided is this criticism that we sometimes get. And in our reading, poor Peter, he's getting into a lot of trouble, isn't he, with his fellow believers. Because you see, for the Jews, there were lots of food laws. There was a long list of stuff that they could eat and they couldn't eat. Does anyone know any of the things they could or couldn't eat? Claire, she's eating chocolate, you're disqualified. Malcolm, did you say grapefruit? Bacon. No pork chops. Anyone else? Shellfish, that's right. You see, they couldn't eat camels because they were too busy riding them, or rabbits or pigs. They could eat fish, but not shellfish. And there was a huge list of birds that they could eat and some birds they couldn't eat. But, you know, they could eat crickets and grasshoppers. They weren't very fat. Yeah. And if you'd eaten meat, if you'd had that lovely steak for your lunch, you couldn't eat dairy for up to about six hours. So that cheesecake had to stay in the freezer till tea time. And if they broke these laws, they became what they called 
unclean. And there was another huge list of rituals that they had to go through to make themselves clean again. And then there was laws about who they could mix with and who they couldn't. Now, the Gentiles, the Gentiles were mentioned in our crossword. They were the people who were not Jews. So the Gentiles could eat everything. So therefore, the Jews couldn't go into the Gentile houses, into their homes, because the Gentiles were unclean. But here in our reading, Peter goes into Cornelius' house, who was a Gentile. But Peter had been given the vision from God, and the Lord had said to him, do not call anything unclean that God has made clean. Suddenly, God has shown him that everything is clean, which means the Gentiles are no longer unclean. And this is mind-blowing stuff for Peter and for the rest of the believers because of all of their lives, little, Peter, little people like Matthew, and all their parents' lives, and all their grandparents' lives, and all their great-great-great-great-parents' lives, they had been told that the stuff was unclean. Don't touch it. It's unclean. And suddenly, it's not. It's all okay. So Peter goes into Cornelius' house, and the big trouble starts. Because Cornelius is the Gentile, and therefore, unclean. And all the other believers are just livid. So Peter receives this undeserved criticism. And throughout history, lots of people have been judged and shunned for new ways of thinking. And some of the most famous people that we come across, Christopher Columbus. Who was taught about Christopher Columbus in school? Evie said to me, no one would know who Christopher Columbus was. He wasn't important enough. But actually, Christopher Columbus was very important because he said the world's not flat, and he set off in a boat, and they all said, you're in Egypt. You're going to fall off the edge. Did I say Egypt in church? I did. Apologize. <laughs> they said he was a fool, and he was going to fall off the end. But he didn't, because the world was round. And then we had Galileo. Now, Galileo really thought differently. He said the world wasn't the center of the universe, that it was the sun, and the world went around that, and the sun was how everything was kept in balance. He was really in trouble for thinking that way. And then we have Emily Pankhurst. Can you read that quote? I didn't show that quote to Tim before I put it up. <laughs> Emily Pankhurst and the suffragettes, now they were very radical. They said, wow, women, we have an opinion and we, have a we deserve to be heard. And they were arrested and beaten up for that way of thinking. Yeah. And then Florence Nightingale said, let's do things differently. There's a new way in nursing, and maybe so many people won't die. And she was criticized and unf unfairly for all kinds of things. She was, she was criticized unfairly, and all horrible stuff was said about her. So when God says, love everybody, and we spend time with people who are different, we are likely to be criticized. But take courage. God is on your side. Part of Christian life that presents itself to us. 
is having to explain ourselves and why we think differently to the rest of the world. And in our reading, when Peter was accused, he simply told what had happened to him and let the power of his words convince his listener. When I became a Christian, I started to look at things very differently. And as a result, I had to give an account and explain to people why I was suddenly acting very differently. And I found myself telling my story of what Jesus had done for me. Now, this is what happened to me. Even though I was brought up in a home in Ireland where we went to Mass every Sunday, confession <laughs> once a month, and I was educated all my life by the nuns, even when I went to secretarial college in Dublin, it was a convent. But I was not a Christian. I knew the story, but I was not part of the story. And then, after Tim and I got married, a friend of ours invited us on a night out. Woohoo! And because I didn't listen properly to Jack when he phoned up, and also because he has a very broad Glaswegian accent, I thought we were going to the pub to hear Billy Connolly. <laughs> I was excited. So we walked into town and headed into a church. And I thought, mm, okay, expecting a big crowd. They're obviously hiring a church hall. But I was a little bit unsure. But I thought, oh, okay, we'll give it a go. It's Jack after all. And we walked into this church. But of course, the year was 89. And we'd gone into the Elam Church in Chelmsford. And we had gone to hear Billy Graham. Similar. Now, to this day, partly because I'm dyslexic and don't remember stuff, I haven't got a clue what was said that night. I couldn't tell you what Billy Graham said. Except at the end of the evening, I was in my chair, sobbing. I knew that Jesus was perfect and that I wasn't. And I had to do something about it. And then, as they do at these meetings, they invited everyone into the back room to have a little word. So, of course, I went home. There was no way I was going into a strange room with people that I didn't know. And Jack, bless him, he was so embarrassed. As we walked home back to Baddow, I was sobbing, and Tim was thinking, shut up, wife. And Jack was a couple of paces ahead of us. But he did have the courage to say, come to church the next morning. And we did. We went up the hill to St. Mary's, and nothing happened. I came out of the church thinking, this was just like my childhood experience of a Sunday morning, all every Sunday morning while I was a child. But we persisted for four weeks, and Tim, my lovely husband, got more and more excited and more and more engaged, and I got more and more angry and frustrated and confused. Something wasn't right. What was happening on the Sunday morning wasn't tying up to what happened that Saturday night. And then a member of the clergy team came and explained to us what had happened. Jesus was happening in our lives. He explained to us about Jesus dying for us in order to set us free. And suddenly, it made sense. Before, I thought I had to do stuff in order to be good. 
I thought I had to work and work and work and work at being good and being acceptable. But now I understood that Jesus dying for me set me free from that obligation, from all those rules and laws that I had learned in church as a child. And I learned over the following years to love myself, which in turn freed me to love others. And I learned that I was forgiven, and that really helped me to forgive those who had, forgiven, who had hurt me. And then I discovered I didn't have to do it by myself, but the Holy Spirit gave me the courage and the strength to love and to forgive, and more importantly, to trust. My life had changed and continues to change. I still get angry and confused. But my life is changing, and like Peter, I had to explain to people why I was now looking at life in a different way. My work colleagues noticed and asked questions. My friends, my family noticed, but ignored it. <laughs> I was given a new way of looking at life, which meant that I was living very differently now. And here's the challenge. So in the safe place over coffee this morning, tell your story about the difference that Jesus has made in your life. Our reading that we get is openness to a new understanding. New ways of thinking really challenge us, and we can get upset if someone tells us that the way we've been doing something for years and years and years is wrong, and we have to do it differently. And that's what's happening here to Peter in our story. And sorry, Peter. <laughs> Different Peter. And that's what's happening to Peter here in the reading and to the Jewish believers. A new way is blowing their minds, and they're not happy about it. God has shown Peter the apostle something new. And being a Christian for us means that we look at things from a different perspective. At home, we have this piece of perspex, and in my mind, it falls in the category of dust collector. It's useless. It's just there. It spends most of its time slung in the back of a drawer. It doesn't do anything on its own. But, if you get this, let me walk around here so you can see. My dust-gathering piece of perspex and my bottle of communion wine. Not doing it this morning. Yeah. Come and show me how. There. No, it's in the practice, it worked. No, not that way. Show me the picture on the box there, Giles. It works when Tim does it. There we go. There we go, a little bit of perseverance and faith. My useless dust gatherer has turned into something, actually, which is quite beautiful and something very useful. I see it in a new light. 
And that's what we discover for ourselves when we become Christians. Before our lives can have no direction, but introduce Jesus, and that's why I used the bottle of communion wine, introduce, introduce Jesus, and it makes sense. Our lives fulfill their potential and find a true purpose. Amen.